And here we are for the third episode in the Ahsoka Discussion Show, talking about part four, Fallen Jedi. Uh, I am your host, Mike Burton, host of Genuine Chit Chat and Star Wars Comics in canon. I'm an avid Star Wars lover, and I am joined today by an individual who I've spoken with about Star Wars on a couple of other discussion shows, actually. But I've been on his show as well, on Marvel Plus, uh, speaking about the various Marvel shows that have been coming out on Disney Plus as well. But Brett Scott has been, he's got loads of podcasts going on. He's got the Daily BS, Long Lost Brothers. He can't stop releasing podcasts and they're all amazing. So Brett, how are you doing today? And how have you felt about the Ahsoka show as a whole? Well, let me just say, I think I think you you Brits have cornered the market on introductions. Because every time I'm on someone's podcast from across the pond, I get this amazing introduction that I'm just like jealous that I don't have the oration skills to do when I have people on my podcast. It's never nearly as a complimentary, but I really appreciate all that. Um, I'm, I'm so glad we could make this happen. I know it's, it, it was a tough one. It's a very strange hour for both of us right now to be recording. So <laughs> it's worth it. I, I appreciate that very much because this episode, I, I was really eager to talk with you about. Um, Ahsoka so far, I just think it keeps getting better. Like the, the first two episodes, I was like, okay, this is good. I like what they're doing. I like that they're bringing in um, all this animated universe stuff. I love that, man. Like just it's you don't have to have seen Clone Wars and Rebels to enjoy this because they do a good job at, you know, giving us enough background to, to make the story make sense. But it's that much more special to people who have watched those shows. Like it just makes it that much more enjoyable. So I'm so far, I'm loving it. And each episode gets better. This episode, notwithstanding this episode was the best yet. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. I'm in complete agreement. It's interesting because about a year or two ago, um, most, well, a lot of people I knew who are Star Wars fans hadn't seen uh, Rebels. Quite a few had seen Clone Wars, but I've basically made it my personal mission to get as many people to watch Rebels as uh, conceivably possible. I've got friends outside yes. of the podcasting realm. I've got friends in the podcasting realm. I think I might be responsible for five or six members of the extended Comics Emotion family for watching Rebels because I go on about it so much. And every person I know who's seen Rebels, whenever, especially I push them to watch it, they always go, Mike... I was always I was a bit apprehensious. First few episodes of Rebel season one didn't quite click for me in the same way, but once you get that ball rolling, Rebels is phenomenal. And I'm like, yep, Rebels for me is the best Star Wars content that's out there, in my opinion. Probably matching with a couple of others, you know, original trilogy and stuff. But like when this show kind of was coming out, I was like saying to everyone, right, people need to watch Rebels. Just dive in and do that. And it's one of those weird things because the first two episodes I enjoyed, but it, it they were kind of there more so i think for people who hadn't seen rebels to kind of be like right here's like a, a brief on loosely who these characters are to give you an idea obviously most people yeah. would know ahsoka now from mandalorian and less so book of boba fett but obviously the rest of us who've seen the animated stuff know her far more deeply um so i i'm like you i thought first episode was pretty good not mind-blowing for me but pretty good episode three yeah slightly better but still same kind of vein I found, same kind of quality as Mandalorian, which I enjoy, but I feel like, you know, Andor for me and Rebels are in like a whole nother level. And then this yeah. episode, and I said this in the prior episodes where Dave Filoni 
isn't the best at starting stuff. You know, the Clone Wars movie, I think, is probably the worst piece of canon content out there. I know it's not meant yeah, for me bad. as an individual, but I'm just like, ugh, I'm not a fan of that. Series one of Rebels, nowhere near as good as the other series of Rebels. And so but he really knows how to get going. You know, season three, four of Clone Wars onwards is phenomenal. Series yeah. of end of series two of Rebels, then series three and four of Rebels, phenomenal. So I'm like, I had my faith in Filoni. I was like, he takes a while to get going, but once he's on that train, it's just, it's hard to stop. And I think that with this episode, if the future episodes are as good as it, as this, if not better, and I think they will get better, I think this could be my new favorite live action show. So diving right into this episode, Fallen Jedi, you know, there's loads of different things to tackle here. There's lots of action. There's obviously a big cameo. There's a couple of smaller cameos. There's loads of different things here. So just off the get go with this episode, we'll kind of jump around a little bit here, there and everywhere. What about this episode really appealed to you? And was it like from the get go or was it like a progressive thing? Or was it kind of once the credits rolled? everything kind of sunk in like how did you feel about this episode as soon as the action started when i saw you know lightsabers lots of lightsabers i was i don't know man it was just like it felt like i hadn't seen that even though we did we did get to see that a bit in um the kenobi series Mm -hmm. there was something special about it man it was great action sequences in this episode um i love that i don't know what type of droid that was but that had the 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 staff like Darth Maul's and had it spinning like uh, general grievous in attack of the clones. Like I was like, Oh, there's all these things like uh, just kind of like hearkening back to stuff I've seen before. And just, it just, it felt good, man. It felt like this is, um, I'm, you know, I like you really enjoy the prequel films. Obviously I'm, I, I can admit and, um, notice the flaws that are there in them and there are Um, a lot you know i love prequels but they are very flawed (laughs) yes yes but i just i have a a a special place in my heart for the the prequels i absolutely love them um and just seeing that stuff kind of just made me feel like i don't know because i was a teenager when they came out they like it it took me back a little bit and I, I always thought that I remember watching the prequel films and thinking like, man, light, lightsabers look so much cooler now, like the, <laughs> than than the original trilogy. You know what I mean? Like, it, and then when we got uh, animated stuff, and they just they could do some awesome stuff with lightsaber battles in the the Clone Wars, and then in Rebels, and seeing that in live action here with those characters was like. It was awesome. It was awesome. So as soon as that action started, as soon as, um, you know, I think it was probably when Ahsoka was outside the ship and she was just kind of staring off into the forest and like anticipating something, maybe sensing something. Um, then she goes back in and then, you know, the droid is attacked by another droid. We got like a droid, droid fisticuffs in this episode. I loved that bit. <laughs> I know me too. I was like, I don't know. Have I ever seen this? Have I ever seen just a droid on droid? I don't know. Um, but that was cool. Um, once Ahsoka and Sabine took off into the forest and ran into adversaries, um, that like, that was, that was it for me. I'm like, okay, this so far best episode yet. And it only got better from there. Like the action didn't stop from there to the end. Um, so yeah, I would say at the beginning, it was just like the other episodes starting off warming up. But once, once the lightsabers came out, it was on. 
I, I loved it from there on. Yeah, because there are three sort of different lightsaber battles. You've got um, Ahsoka with Marok to begin with, and you had Shin Hati or Hati with um, Sabine, and then obviously um, that kind of all happens. That interaction happens, and then you get Ahsoka and Balin Skull. And yep. you know, I know a lot of people on the internet have been saying this, and I'm in complete agreement with them. You know, Ray Stevenson, obviously, rest in peace, but he was phenomenal. He it, like Balin Skull is such an interesting character, and a lot of people are saying he's like the almost dark side equivalent of Qui Gon Jinn. And for me, Qui Gon Jinn is one of See he's that. one of the best characters in the prequels. So, you know, Liam Neeson kills that role, and every time he pops yep. up, you know, in or off or on screen absolutely love it so i thought the action set pieces were amazing and i want to say that i think in the last episode uh, myself and math were talking about predictions for Marok, and i'm fairly certain i said i don't think he's going to be anything interesting i think he's just going to be a baddie gets killed immediately and i was right <laughs> um so i'm happy about that but with the action scenes before we delve into the story a little bit like wh- I-, I first of all i'm with you you know but the prequels i think have the best action scenes for the most part um i think that many of the lightsaber battles you know some people think they're a bit overdone i personally don't i i love that crazy stuff and i think that with the lightsaber battles in this we got three different ones you know we got a very samurai style with ahsoka and marok we got kind of the i really like watching people who are less experienced with lightsabers fighting which is what i feel when it's sabine and shin uh hatai as well yeah and then you get, you know, two masters, essentially, with Balin and Ahsoka. So I loved all three of those. And Marok's death was interesting. I've, I've watched it twice now because I watched yeah. the episode by myself uh, and then I watched it with Megan. And when he dies, like this dark side energy or something kind of shoots out of him and he screams and, yeah. and there's no explanation. So I was like, OK, so of those three, did you have a preference of of those three lightsaber fights? Like, what did you think of the action specifically? Um. I don't know. I liked I liked the final Ahsoka and Balin one probably the most, but it was it you know what was really cool is just seeing Sabine in her Mandalorian armor with a lightsaber. Like that was I was like, okay, this is cool, man. Like you don't get to see it often like that. Like there's not a lot of Mandalorian Jedi's in training. So it was pretty damn cool to see the helmet juxtaposed with the lightsaber um but fight wise i think i I gotta go ahsoka and balin um i was a little surprised about i guess it was kind of like a sucker punch in a way what he did to her but um it, it seemed you were talking about like people who were more inexperienced the way he was fighting some of it seemed a little like like inexperienced maybe it was just frustration but the way he was just like hammering hammering at ahsoka with his lightsaber um i was like huh seems like he's a little uh i don't know if he's just like but he's overdoing it like he's really trying to do her in and then that's kind of what pushes her over the edge at the end is like one final just like lashing um but a surprise attack really because she basically he acted as if he was going to back off because he was being threatened with with the map being destroyed and then one last swipe and takes her out so i i think that's got to be my favorite of the three Mm. yeah i think with balen i think it's kind of like um i've got a few ideas of what his style could have been and i think you know one of them um angry andy who's been on some of the styles discussion shows and things he described um balen as like um 
like an old school almost knight of the round table with like a long sword so really like heavy hits and things gotcha. and also i think because yeah. he's a dark side user as well he kind of uses that anger and he was not necessarily trying to beat ahsoka i think he was just trying to kind of um stop her getting to the map so it was more so big swings trying to stop that and also a thought of mine like depending on how it goes in the show i would love to see you know either flashbacks of balin and shin or maybe a comic or a book or something explaining you know how they got well how balin's goal got through order 66 and then how he found shin that sort of stuff but i do wonder like i think people often forget um and i myself do this as well is lightsaber battles although we as uh, fans love them and we see them quite a lot in the star wars universe they don't actually happen that often sort of in legends they did quite a lot you know when the jedi and sith wars happened but in in canon you know the prequel era jedi were like at peace for you know like a thousand years so they only really fought with lightsabers together ceremoniously and then post order 66 apart from fighting inquisitors which normally ends up getting Jedi killed, he didn't really have lightsaber battles. So I do wonder how many times Shin and Balin have actually fought someone else with a lightsaber um, because True. we've not heard of them before. And obviously, post-Order 66, there's not that many Jedi, and especially post-original trilogy, there's even less. There's basically just Luke and Ahsoka, really, to our knowledge, and neither yeah. of them have mentioned them before. So it is an interesting one. So what did you think, like... Story-wise, like where this plot was going, you know, with obviously the map stuff and obviously, you know, Ahsoka burned her hand, which I thought was a good plot device of showing how she could be unbalanced in the battle. Like of the way this plot kind of went and the map and all that sort of stuff, what were your thoughts of how the events of this episode all unfolded? I Well, just the overall story uh, for this series is kind of interesting. I, I feel like sometimes I feel like with these stories that are, like prequels to something else you wonder how much they can do right it's almost mm-hmm. like um i don't know i i feel like we've had this discussion before about prequel stuff like but how much can they really do um without upsetting what has already been told to, to foretold to happen in the future so can they really bring thrawn back into the fold and have him be a big player going forward like is that a real worry that we have fans watching this um you never know like maybe he he did have a big role in getting us to where we found the first order and um everything that was going on at, in the beginning of force awakens like how did we get to that point that's kind of what we're seeing with all the, all these series that are in between right like how did we get to the point where the first order had kind of come to power again and build up this army how did how did the empire make this comeback like because we it didn't make a lot of sense when you saw force awakens you're like what how do they build back up without you know the republic knowing what was going on how did they not notice this happening it's building up all these ships and like and they explained it in their own way uh by the end of that series but i like the idea of, of bringing Thrawn into live action. It's something I've wanted to see for a long time. So I, I hope that we get, I, I think we'll at least get to see him. I don't know if he gets into the galaxy. Like, I don't know if he gets um, out of wherever he's at. I don't know if that happens or if they stop him from even coming back. Um, I also like that, that this idea that Ezra could possibly be there as well. And that's something I was going to ask you about because I didn't, I know this is blasphemy. 
but I have not finished Rebels. I'm actually going back right now and watching it. So mm. this, the first episode of this series kind of ruined Rebels for me because I didn't know how it ended with Ezra. Um, but you're right. It was definitely set up for people who didn't know that. And I was one of them. Uh, but do we know for a fact that Ezra is there and is alive or is it still like just a hope and speculation on Sabine's part on Ahsoka's part? Both Ezra and Thrawn disappeared at the exact same time on the same ship because of Ezra. So okay. the assumption would be whatever happened to Thrawn happened to Ezra. Um, mm -hmm. So, but it's been, so it's been approximately from the, the series four finale of Rebels is approximately 10 years before this. So okay. 10 or so years have passed of Thrawn and uh, Ezra being gone, uh, in essence. And that transmission is something that he sends out right at the end of Rebels before he does the thing he does. But it's all to do with Pergil, the space whales. Interesting. I, I wonder, like, when we do discover them, how much could have happened in, in the 10 years with between them? Mm -hmm. You know, like, with with no other... Jedi around with no other um, allies around for either of them, what happens? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I also keep forgetting that I think this series is eight episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. I I keep for in my head I keep thinking there's six. I'm like, oh, we're we're over halfway. No, there's still a lot of story left to unfold. So I'm I'm really interested to see for one how anyone else ends up following them. Because obviously the the map was destroyed after they they got the coordinates, um, I think that that Ahsoka burning her hand was more than just her um, kind of being incapacitated um, or handicapped for that fight. I think somehow that burning of her hand with that map is going to play into how they end up finding their way there. I don't know if it's mm. like there's some weird imprint on her point. hand. I didn't think yeah. of that. Wow. Because how else would that? Like, there's no more. There's no other map. Um, it obviously took a while to like get the coordinates and then have them like integrated into the the system to to lay out a course. So there there has to be some sort of copy or imprint or something. So I was. First, I was thinking like, oh, well, it, it's probably going to like burn a symbol or something into her hand that can be translated. But then I was like, I don't know, because I, what could burn into her hand that could replicate what we saw was this like map. But maybe it did something where, I mean, she's a Jedi, a powerful Jedi. Maybe it somehow imprinted onto her memory or onto her psyche who I don't know, but maybe that's how like something about that, her grabbing that and being burned by it. I feel like it is how they end up finding their way there. I know it sounds far fetched, but what else is there? Like mm. what other connection to the map is there? Yeah. Cause I, I've, I've considered this as well. I think there's only really three options and the option that you've just said is, is one of the new options I hadn't even considered. It's a very interesting point. One of the other options would be Sabine goes off, uh, finds Ezra and they somehow like scrappily get back somehow and in mm -hmm. doing that they manage to bring back some information and they're like Thrawn's going to be here in five days we either need to go there and stop him or he's going to enter at this point and we all need to be ready for him yeah. um, there's 
obviously the the ending um of this episode as well which is probably going to link into that or there's in rebels with the pergil um, how far in rebels did you get i i know this does inadvertently spoil rebels but i don't want to i don't want to overly spoil rebels for you but how far through rebels did you get so i can't even recall a lot of the details i generally know what happens in the series um but i would say like when I was looking at my Disney Plus uh, episodes, it said that I was several episodes into season three. Oh, so okay. maybe halfway through season three. Um, but I don't remember, man. It, it, it's at least been a couple years mm. since I watched it. So yeah, you got a lot to go um, because, yeah. yeah, with the Pergill. Um, I think they get introduced briefly in series two, but it might be series three. But essentially, they're obviously giant space whales, but they can travel mm. through hyperspace. Um, and they are a key factor in what happened to Thrawn and Ezra. So there's, because they've already been shown, you know, they were teased in uh, Mandalore in series three, and Grogu yeah. and Mando in series, uh, in episode one, are going through hyperspace. You see like shadows of them. And then you actually saw them in live action in episode two, I think. Um, or no, episode three of, of Ahsoka. And they can travel through hyperspace. So my theory has been that Ahsoka and probably Hera and the ghost and stuff are going to somehow, you know, uh, Ahsoka's going to use the force to communicate with the Pergil because that's somewhat what Ezra did in Rebels and then mm. use them to kind of travel the same loose direction as that hyperspace ring, the Eye of Zion went. It's it's interesting because it's weird with this because as you say, like it is technically a prequel um, because this is, Five years after uh, Return of the Jedi, so it's 25 <clears throat> years before the sequel trilogy. Thereabouts, you know, the timelines of Star Wars, they normally let stories play out, and then afterwards they go, okay, well, this was actually here, and this was actually here. So yeah. it, it is 25 years prior, but it is a hard one because, you know, there's always that question of why is why did Ahsoka not pop up in the prequels? Why did Ezra not pop up in the prequels? You know, we saw the ship, the ghost, in The Rise of Skywalker, uh, like very briefly at the Battle of Exegol right at the end. But like, mm-hmm. there is this question because the, the impression we get in the sequel trilogy is, oh, we've had 30 years of peace. So it is, to your point, like, where's Thrawn? You know, does he come back? Is there like a side small skirmish that happened? Do they prevent him? Like, what is it going to be? Or is it just going to be one of those things where a big battle does happen, but the New Republic don't want to admit that all that happened because of their arrogance. So they brush it under the carpet. So by the time of The Force Awakens, you know, a couple decades later, they're not even really acknowledging that. You know, it's there's lots of layers where it can go, but that's the thing of prequels. I'm always, as much as I love the prequel trilogy and these sort of things, it does somewhat stifle where the plot can go to a degree. You know, we know for a fact Thrawn's yeah. not going to win and take over the galaxy. Or if he did, it would be right. for such a tiny amount of time, it would not, yeah. you know, kind of impact the greater the greater universe. But it it is interesting. I, I am intrigued to see where this is going to go. Um, I'm just looking at my notes. and There's so many different elements that I could talk about. You know, I know, I, I know we're going kind of back and forth, but I will mention with Hu Yang, um, you know, the droid voiced by David Tennant, mm-hmm. Do you think he's animatronic or CGI? Because I can't. I thought maybe a mix of both, but like there were points I was like, that looks like an animatronic, almost from like a Star Wars ride at Disney. And then other yeah. times I was like, that looks CG. I, I couldn't quite tell. Like when he was fighting, I thought maybe CG. But I just wanted to get your opinion on him before we dive into something else, uh, because I realized I hadn't really asked about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I would say just by looking at him, I, I bet it's a mix of both. Just because. Mm. 
they seem to be leaning back into a lot of practical effects um, since we've started these series. Um, I feel like, and fans appreciate it. Like, and I think that they're going to keep doing it. Um, but then some of the movements and stuff, obviously you've got to have CGI to do some stuff uh, to make it look good and like make it look fluid or it's going to look wonky. It's going to look, you know, like it did in the seventies and eighties. So yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Some scenes are probably a most fully uh, like animatronic. Um, and then some are probably predominantly CGI. Hmm. That's what I think. That's what I think just by watching it. It's just like um, when we, uh, what, what's the, um, what's the one in Andor? Oh, um, what the droid? Uh, it's yes. B2, B2 Emo. And then in Rogue One, it's K2SO. Okay. Like, okay, both of them. Um, obviously, there's some CGI involved there, and they're mm-hmm. like movements and stuff. So, but they look very practical. When you see them, they look like you could touch them, and it seems like the actors are actually interacting with them sometimes. So, probably both. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, so, I, I, a couple of little minor points here, and then we'll delve into kind of some of the big finish. Um, so, I want to note that Sabine um, on her Mandalorian armor one of her shoulder pauldrons um, is different to what we saw in Rebels. It looks like it has a pergil on it, which links to um, Rebels as well. And then, yeah, there's there's lots of little threads and things. And, you know, with that in mind, I'm really interested to hear, like, what did you think of as we kind of get to the end? So obviously, you know, Ahsoka gets hit off the cliff. Um, Sabine's betrayal, in essence, you know, because when, when I was watching it with Megan, yeah. um, she didn't like that. She Me- Megan didn't feel that that matched with Sabine's character. Now, I personally did. Mm. Um, there are certain episodes in uh, Rebels, I think, Series 3, uh, which you may not have seen, but there's a couple episodes called Trials of the Darksaber, and it's all about Sabine training with um, the Darksaber and mm. her with Kanan and learning certain things. And she's quite stubborn, and she does try but she's fairly quick to kind of give up or you know not to downplay a character but kind of strop a little bit so i think that that was consistent but like in sabine's position if you've just watched you know your master get kicked off a cliff essentially and you don't know if they're alive plus yeah. you've got this guy here it's like you know i think she knew that if she destroyed the map she's gonna die like there's no chance she's gonna live so it's kind of like self-preservation and also trying to save ezra so what did you think of her you know giving the orb to Balin, and then from there what do you think of the scene of her going onto the eye of zion and kind of the crescendo excluding the ahsoka part we'll we'll get to that in a second but the sabine kind of wrap-up part i thought it was very star wars like very star wars that'd be like seduced by this person from the dark side um playing on the things that you care about most like it it was it was Palpatine and Anakin, right? Like it was, you know, if you want this, if you want to save this person, you have to ally yourself with me. That's the only way to do it. It was exactly that. Like he, he said, I know you want to save your friend. Um, I need to get to this place. We both have that mutual goal. Let's, let's do it together, do it together. I get my map, you get your friend back. And yeah, it just felt, it felt like classic star Wars mythology, man. Like, being seduced by the dark side, playing on your, um, pulling at the heartstrings and playing on your, your weaknesses, which is, you know, her relationship with Ezra. Um, that's what she's in this for the most. Like, I think way more than stopping Thrawn from returning or anything. It's all about finding Ezra. So it, 
I don't know. It worked for me. And the fact that Ahsoka, you know, she's very steadfast in, in her belief that like, you know, we got to do what the right thing is here. And the, the bigger picture is we cannot let Thrawn get here. Even if that means never finding Ezra. And you could see even when she said that to Sabine, like you could see Sabine's not quite all the way on board with that idea. She's like, okay. So it, it just, it felt great, man. I, I think it was exactly what would play out in real life. As you said, her master was just killed. She's not nearly as experienced or skilled. Um, so like what were her options? And I think even more than self-preservation, it really was to, to get to Ezra. Yeah. What else has she got left really at this point? Like apart from exactly. friendship with heroes, like, and he, so, and Balin like played on that as well. He's, he's like, your family, uh, is gone. You don't have anyone left. The only person you might have left is this person that I can take you to. And so, of course, of course she did. I mean, obviously she had another option and, and it would have worked too, but it's so much more interesting this way. Mm-hmm. And I want to delve deep a little bit into your thoughts on um, the two antagonists with the blood orange lightsabers that myself, Math, and uh, and Dave jokingly called the blood orange boys or the blood orange bunch, um, mm. which is, um, you know, Shin and... Bob. <laughs> yeah uh, it's a uh, shin and balen so what do you think of these two as characters both portrayals on screen uh, by the actors and also like them as a presence so i'm a little i'm a little like confused as to what exactly they are because they don't really feel quite like sith they're like this in between um you know like wannabe sith like mm-hmm. you know um balen was obviously a jedi he's and at some point along the way, he's chosen to go after, I don't know what, uh, power or like something seduced him to like be allied with these people that he's never been allied. Like, was it self-preservation in the beginning? Probably. Um, and then, you know, became this quest for power. And then like the, the allure of the Sith is that right. Like power. So little confuses as to exactly what they are but clearly it's the setup of a sith like it's one master one apprentice um the rule of two and i i like them they they remind me of like i've read probably not nearly as many as as you have but like i've read quite a few um like old republic star wars books and uh stuff of like the Sith order and mm-hmm. Sith training and all this stuff. And like, it felt like a pretty typical master apprentice Sith relationship um, where we, we might even see her turn on him at some point in this series. Um, that would, I mean, that would be true to form, right. For a, a Sith story. Uh, but overall, I like them. I think that they're a good representation of like that, that, uh, those characters that I'm used to seeing as Sith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I quite like them I, for different reasons. I, I think both the characters are compelling and I, I'm very intrigued to see where they go. And it's, it is interesting thinking what they are because I think my general theory is that uh, Balaam was a Jedi. Um, he, he survived order 66. And then as you kind of said, just to kind of to survive, 
he probably had to do some stuff that wasn't very Jedi like just to survive. Uh, and there've yep. been there've been examples of that in uh, in in canon and in legends of like Jedi kind of towing the dark path just to to be able to survive through Order sixty six. And so I wonder if that kind of happened and maybe he found Shin at some point. I don't know if she was, I think she's, she seems to only be about 16, 17. So she, in theory, would have been born after Order 66, whereas obviously he knew of Anakin. So clearly he was alive at that time. Uh, and at this point, to remind our lovely listeners, this is nine years after A New Hope and A New Hope is 19 years after Order 66. So this is 28 years after Order 66, after the Clone Wars uh, ended and things, which obviously is quite a, a long time she's almost certainly not 28 onwards so i am nah. interested to see where that goes and i think where their lightsabers are like deemed as blood orange mm-hmm. it's like you know in canon the way that lightsabers are red is that they bleed the crystal you know sometimes they do it you know they pick up a crystal and specifically choose to and there have been other examples where someone is just so consumed by the dark side while holding their lightsaber or holding their crystal it kind of taints it and where there's isn't a full red i wonder i heard a theory yeah. online by i think of someone on um on social media somewhere where they were thinking maybe they started off as like a trying to be good and then they just kept doing more and more bad actions and then it just slowly tainted the color of their crystals which i do quite like that idea and i like for me in this show although i'm interested by thrawn and ezra and the kind of rebels connections for me personally i think balan and shin are the two most interesting parts for me because they feel the most fresh they feel although there's a degree of are they aligned with the sith like what's their dark side stuff you know, with Ahsoka and all that stuff with Thrawn, like we kind of know loosely where that's going to go just because of the sequels. And I assume that because Balin and Shin aren't in the sequels as well, we can somewhat tell their fate. But I'm just really intrigued. Like in canon at the moment, we just have such a lack of dark side stuff. You know, we've got Palpatine yeah. and Vader, who obviously amazing in the prequels and obviously the original trilogy and then in the sequels you've got Kylo who I personally love and Snoke who I'm lukewarm about but really aside from that we don't have that much and you know yeah. especially in as you mentioned like the old republic stuff you know I've not read a ton of legends but I've I've kind of I think I've read about 10 legends books at the moment and my favorite is the Darth Bane trilogy and I think the Darth yes. Bane trilogy is just like I it took me a while to read it because I was prioritizing canon but i think it's probably the best star wars books that exist at the moment and it's it goes so deep as you say about the rule of two and this dark side stuff and i think that the Mm -hmm. disney canon is slowly going backwards you know got a lot of publishing that's going backwards and more shows that are going before the skywalker saga but like Mm -hmm. the sith stuff is stuff that really intrigues me um so i want to ask like is there anything else you want to mention before we talk about the ending uh, yeah, so you brought up the, the Darth Bane series, and I think that mm. I, I, I'm almost sure that I have not read the third book in that trilogy. Um, you do not like finishing they, stuff, do you? <laughs> I told, I, 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 well, here's my thing. I think I take on too many things. Yep. It's like, yep. literally, I, I start reading, like, I'm, I'm going to go back and read, um, I'm going to read the the X-Men from the beginning, and I'm just going to go through with it, and I get, like, you know, a few issues in and I'm like, Ooh, here's a Batman story I've never read. And then I, then I read most of that. And then it's like, Oh, wait a minute. Here's this independent comic I want to read. And then, you know, that's what ends up happening. And I, and sometimes I don't finish things. Um, I usually end up finishing them. It's sometimes it's just like years later. That's all. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember I felt the same way about the Darth Bane series. If, if I'm correct in remembering. So like, in book one, it's like it's him 
basically being taken and put into Sith training, right? At, at, at like this Sith training center. Yeah. Um, and, and then in the second book, am I, am, is that the rule of two? Is that the one where he, yeah. Um, yeah. he finds a female apprentice mm-hmm. on some planet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Her- Zana is this is yeah. the legend, uh, essential legends cover, so it's like different. Be a hit. The, the second book is all about him training an apprentice. The first book is yes. all about him and um, him getting with the Sith. Yes. Oh, yeah. I loved. I least loved those two, and I can't remember if I. Obviously, I probably didn't finish a third, or I would remember it. Um, but that's what when we were talking about, like how this reminded me of. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Like I imagined their history, even though it probably not that I imagine their history as being kind of like that where he Mm. like discovered her somewhere abandoned or orphaned or something. And, um, yeah, that's a really interesting point. I mean, for someone who I like, I love uh, that series. I I listened to the audio book, um, versions of them and then I liked them so much. I, I had to buy them. And so, you know, I read those and I was like, this this is absolutely phenomenal. And I hadn't even made the connection. Like, for someone who hasn't finished the book, you're very perceptive on that because <laughs> Shin is a young woman with uh, blonde mm-hmm. hair or white hair and Bane slash Balan Skull as well. I mean, Bane, Balan Skull, not dissimilar names yeah. there. Um, and also, you know, bigger, more power. You know, Bane was known as just su- such a force. He was just like a tank. And he was this mm-hmm. big foreboding power that was like his pure thing and Balin Skull it shows that he is with his fight with Ahsoka he may not be the most technically agile fighter but from the sheer weight behind his blows you know you could see especially after she wounded her hand like she was struggling to even keep her like he was hitting her and she was like holding the lightsaber up and like being pushed back by his sheer power so I'd never even thought of connections to Darth Bane but now that you've said that that's a really interesting point Brett and that's that's Mm. even more exciting so it's definitely a very very good interest a very interesting point there and um, I want to ask as well so you must because you haven't finished Rebels because it's really Mm. you probably didn't know about Jason Syndulla so Hero's son did you that that must have came as somewhat of a surprise to you of uh, her having a son yeah Yeah, um, but I actually when, when watching the episode I was like I bet you this has been explained somewhere. Like I, I, you know, they didn't just spring this on it, but they made it seem it was something about, does he, does he end up, do we know if he ends up being something later in life? We have no idea. Okay. Because in, in rebels is literally like 12 seconds. If that of him, and it's right at the end of the season of rebels. Interesting. We, I know, I know a tiny amount more than you do. Interesting because I she made this comment and I wondered if it was like kind of an inside joke for people who knew better than I did. Um, or maybe it'll come into play later. But the joke she made was like, well, when you're a general, then you can defy orders as well. And I'd wondered, like, does he become a general at some point? Did, you know, and is that like a call forward to that? But no, interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was, yeah, I had no idea whether or not like, that was explained before or not or like she could have had a child in the interim i didn't know about so yeah it's it's more kind of when rebels series four because rebels finishes before rogue one and a new hope but there's like five minutes if that um right at the end of rebel series four where it kind Mm. of loosely explains 
what are these characters doing during the Galactic Civil War, during the specific original trilogy? And in gotcha. that, you know, we get to see Hera and Jason. Um, and, you know, the, there's some theories around Jason as well, because in the in Legends, uh, Jason Solo is um, one of the twins from Luke and Han, mm. and Jason falls to the dark side. I believe it's in the, yeah. the New Jedi Order series or something along those lines. So... I, I don't know if his name was more of like, hey, Jason, Jason, because obviously Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo really was Jason Solo, like a, a version of Jason Solo. Yeah. So I'm like, is he going to go bad? Is he not? We don't know. We know right. in The Rise of Skywalker, the ghost was there. I don't think, I know the novelization, which are the novelization of uh, Disney era Star Wars films, they're like the extended editions. So a lot mm-hmm. of them have got like additional scenes, which are canon and stuff, but I've, with all the Star Wars content to read, me personally, I'm like, I don't really want to spend, you know, 16 hours listening to an audiobook where 14 hours of it is on screen, you know, for that, those extra nuggets. Yeah, yeah. But I know that the ghost, obviously, we see it in Rise of Skywalker. I think there's like one line maybe in there, but I can't remember if Hera's uh, there or not. Uh, but like, what have you thought? What do you think of Hera? Because um, I think Sabine, her on-screen portrayal is really, really close to uh, what we see in Rebels. Hera's the one that... Megan does not think that like I, I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead as an actress I think she's uh, phenomenal but like for a while I found Hera a little bit jarring to a degree of it, it wasn't quite connecting for me but I found that as the show goes on a bit more I have found that but obviously with yourself where you have got a connection to Rebels but you haven't fully flushed out that series did you have right. any issues with her as an individual her as a character or were you just like yeah this is Hera this is cool not really, but I, I do feel like in this episode, I, I see why you could see that it. Uh, she kind of came more into her own as that character because, um, you know, she's acting like a rebel in this mm-hmm. episode. She's like she's breaking away and doing something she's not supposed to be doing, taking the ship and uh, going to help, even though she's been told that they're not going to help. And even though she told them they would not be helping, um, she you know, changed her mind and uh, took off. So. Um, I didn't run into anything, but like I said, like, like you said, I wasn't as closely connected with the character. I hadn't watched the show in a couple of years, um, so it wasn't jarring for me, uh, but I can see by this episode how she, I think she was a little more uh, reserved probably in the first three episodes compared to this episode. So maybe that's that's what it was, but it didn't jar me. I, uh, I, I'm digging who she is right now, so... Mm. I'm liking it. I am liking it a lot more too. So we'll delve into, there's the finale. So the last, the very, very last scene. So because, well, I'm not going to say anything. I want you to tell me your theories because I, I can't, I know what's going on, but I think only people who've finished Rebels really know what's going on at the end of this. Okay. Um, so okay. I'll, I won't spoil it fully for you uh, because I do want you to rewatch Rebels and still get a lot from it. Um, but what did you think personally as someone who hasn't seen what's gone on uh, in this episode before what did you think of what happened with Ahsoka I am assuming she's on some astral plane that maybe is specific for Jedi almost like um, the speed force for speedsters right like it's a it's their version of uh, maybe not heaven but it's like the in between where they can it, Limbo it's the astral almost. plane, yeah, and they can communicate with with the afterlife, but they're not quite dead yet. Obviously, Ahsoka's not dead; it's her series, so like we know that she's not dead, but she's um, 
disembodied somehow. Uh, I was actually really surprised because at the end, when they like panned to the cliff, I thought I thought for sure they're going to show her hanging on to the side of the cliff. Or, That's what I thought. You know, something like that. But you're like, oh, she's just not there at all. So I don't know where her body is. I'm, I'm, conf- I'm, I'm you know, with the way that Jedi disappear when they're cut down, um, maybe her body is actually there as well. I don't know. So I don't know. You tell me what you what is it? Well, I was going to say I loved the transition, like visually, and I will say the the I forgot to mention at the start um, two elements, which is uh, this episode was directed by Peter Ramsey. Um, he also directed uh, the Spider Verse movie, the first one, which I think I think both Spider Verse movies are absolutely phenomenal. Um, yes, both the first and second, pretty much equally but for different reasons. So hats off to him. And he also directed the um, episode five of Mandalorian series three, which is the pirate episode, which I think is one of the highlights of series three as well. So very good. I, yeah, I feel like this episode as a whole has been the best directed episode like as i said the premiere i thought was was good but i didn't think it was it blew me out of the water Thought the prior episode again was good but still kind of felt like the middling of the mando episodes like nothing had really peaked but then this episode mm. action amazing all the dialogue feels really good the shots are very very good there's a shot where shin and um her Sabine when Shin force push her into the wall and I love the use of the force in this you know where Ahsoka used the yeah. force moves one of the droids in the way of the shots and throws it aside and then she just when she's fighting Balin and she thinks that uh, Shin has killed Sabine she just lifts up Shin and just lobs her against the wall like all of yeah. the the cinematography which I know is not purely on the director it's a, you know a lot of individuals involved but I thought this has been the best directed episode of this show and I think it's probably one of the best directed episodes of live actions thus far so i want to make sure i mentioned that and i also have to give my hat off um this is this part now is going to explain what you kind of saw i have to give my hat off um to my friend thomas thomas rochester and he's part of the reckless rebellion podcast i've had him on a couple of uh, star wars discussion shows and he's going to be on next week because he said to me episode five of or part five of the ahsoka show is directed by dave filoni so he said i have a prediction that that episode is going to feature about the world between worlds now, The World Between Worlds is an episode in Rebels, which is one of the best episodes, in my opinion, in all of Star Wars. It's very odd and weird and all forcey and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Because obviously where you saw in Rebels, you finished Series 2 where um, Ahsoka fights Vader and then you don't know what happens to her. The World yeah. Between Worlds explains it. Um, and Ezra okay. basically goes into the astral plane that you've described um, I won't explain specifically how, but he goes in there and through one way or another, he manages to save Ahsoka. He manages to basically pull her out of the battle with Vader right before she would be killed and pulls her forward in time by like two years. So she's been in that. And in Clone Wars, you know, um, there's an arc where she interacts with the Mortis gods. I won't specifically spoil what happens there because I know uh, Math, who is a friend of mine who's obviously was on the last episode, he hasn't yet watched The Clone Wars. And I know a lot of people who are listening may not have seen all the animated stuff, so I'm trying not to spoil uh, too much there. But she's got a lot of connections, Ahsoka, with otherworldly force stuff. So where, where she is at the moment is a place called the World Between Worlds. We've only seen it once in Star Wars, and it's in canon and in that Rebels episode. It's it's very prominent in that episode, um, but it's really, really interesting. And it is it is kind of, as you say, it's like this plane between existence in a sense. It seems to be this, I, I think they're going to explain it quite a lot in um, in the episode coming up, but it's like, yeah, this this place where world between worlds and it connects to different major parts in time. We don't know if 
if an individual goes in there, it connects to major parts of their life. We don't know if there's portals that connect to just important elements of what the Force deems to be important. It, it's an interesting part and an interesting place, but she has been there before. Uh, and with Thomas Rochester, the reason I mention him is because he specifically said, episode five is going to be well between worlds. And I said to him, I was like, I would love that. But it's t it's too high concept. It's too weird. You know, I love when Star Wars gets weird and crazy. It's it's like one of my favorite things about Star Wars. But usually that only really happens either in the books, comics, or in animation to a degree. Because a lot of live action audiences, which is obviously the majority of Star Wars viewers, they don't necessarily like it when the Force goes really weird. They like things a little bit more understandable and a little bit more kind of clear to them. Yeah. So this place that she's in, you know... Palpatine tried getting in there um, because he felt like if he could control the world between worlds, he would control the galaxy and all these major galactic events. Like, it's a sought-after place that not a lot of people know about. And when she got in there before, she didn't die and end up there. She was pulled in there before. And when Ezra got in there, he entered something to get there. So... I don't know if there's a portal to the world between worlds on that planet. I don't know if because she's been there before and the connection to the Mortis gods in the Clone Wars, if she's kind of got almost like a resurrection pass. It's really, we I don't know. It, it's, it's a very bizarre thing. But, you know, with Series 4 of Rebels, and it's quite near the end as well, the World Between Worlds episode is one of the most important episodes in all of Rebels and it is very weird. I love it. <laughs> so oh, it, it I, I've kind of something to look, skated around bits and pieces of it. <laughs> it gives me something to look forward to, for sure. I'm, I'm definitely, the way you've described, like, season three and four of Rebels has got me very excited. If nothing else, I hope this series inspires a lot more people to, to take the animation stuff, the animated series, uh, seriously, and to go back and, and rewatch like I'm doing. Um, I've been like Clone Wars is like my comfort place. Like that's I'll put that on to go to sleep at night sometimes. Like I just love putting it. On. I love just the sounds of it. You know what I mean? Like um, it, it yeah, I, I can go right to sleep and not because it's boring, but because it's so comforting. You know, it's a it's it's like a little I don't know, lulls me to sleep uh, that and uh, ep uh, old episodes of Dr. Phil will knock me right out. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I hope if nothing else, this does inspire people to go because I think it's I know how you feel about Rebels and I, I feel the same way uh, about what I've seen of Rebels and uh, most of the Clone Wars. It's some of my favorite Star Wars, period. Like, I think they they do so much in there. They go so deep into so many different things that we had never even known about before those series. And I think people could get like a much deeper appreciation for the universe by watching those series because i definitely did like i think i became a bigger star wars fan going through clone wars than i ever was having just seen um the 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 original trilogy and then the prequels like mm -hmm. see wa watching clone wars gave me this whole it was like oh there's so much more here than just these jedi and this you know the the it's it's so much more than just the light side, the dark side, and and what we've seen showcase Skywalkers. Um, it, it, I love episodes that go off and have nothing to do with Anakin or Ahsoka, um, you know, or you know, or we go off and we learn about the Night Sisters and like I love all that stuff. We get to see the 
the the surprise that uh, Darth Maul is still alive and well with with you know metal lower extremities. Like it's so much happens in there that that I think people have no idea, and it makes Star Wars so much more of a rich universe. So I, I hope that people do that. I hope that people go back and watch. Like I think it's will because people want to know. Like, well, who are these people that are in the series? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I, I think it will give people, um, at least at least people who are like really into Star Wars. I don't feel like the general audience is going to go. I'm going to go back and watch this old cartoon, you know, and really get some background. But. I do feel like people who who really love uh, the Star Wars live action stuff and love these series that we've got so far will likely go back and watch it. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a weird one because I always say to people, although Clone Wars chronologically comes out first and it is an introdu- introduction to Ahsoka, I always say mm. to people, watch Rebels first because it's shorter, it's much more succinct, it's much more concise. Like, I think all four seasons of Rebels are good, and it just progressively gets better. And season four of Rebels, every single episode of series four, minimum eight out of ten. But most of them are nine out of ten, and that's every episode. There's like five episodes there, I'd say ten out of ten perfect, like legitimately. Uh, And Clone Wars, I think, is brilliant, but I think Clone Wars movie is really weak. Series one of Clone Wars is quite a struggle. There's like five episodes in series one of Clone Wars that are brilliant, but the rest of it is just a bit weak. And then series two is like, yeah, this is this is better. It's still getting there. Series three, big step up, both in animation and story. But then series four, when Maul comes into it, it's oh, it's so good. All the Maul stuff, as you mentioned, in Clone Wars is phenomenal. And it's one of those things when I was watching it with um, Megan, because I'm like you, like, I watched the main six movies because, you know, I grew up with the prequels. So for me... I saw Revenge of the Sith in the cinema, but I always grew up with um, the VHS tapes of the original trilogy and then Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And mm-hmm. so when I was watching the original films and stuff, I was like, yeah, I love Star Wars. This is great when I was young. And then, you know, mo- uh, games came out and stuff, and I really liked those. And then the Clone Wars movie came out 2007, I think. And I was like, nah, I'm kind of done with this now. And that was around yeah. the time Doctor Who got rebooted because, you know, Doctor Who got rebooted 2005. Revenge of the Sith came out 2005. So I kind of just skewed off. And apart from playing a few Star Wars games, it kind of went quiet for me for a bit. And then when the sequels that's why, announced... Can I say, I, yeah, that's why I did... I, I, that's probably why I did not watch the Clone Wars as it was coming out. Is because I had I seen... Either, yeah. the, I, I saw the Clone Wars film... Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, I bought it. I remember buying the DVD, like, oh, Star Wars. Um, and then watching it and going, okay, that's that was not great. Like, no. it, 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 <laughs> it felt not- like it could have, you could have made, like, I'll, I'll give it this. It it falls in line with, like, an episode or something of The Clone Wars. Like, if that had been an episode, fine. It was completely enjoyable. It was the first three or four episodes of Clone Wars, and they decided to release it theatrically to kind of give a bit more weight to it which i think made sense for exposure but i think that it was probably the wrong arc to do it in because there's a grievous episode in series one called the lair of grievous and that i stand by is one of the best episodes of clone wars period and that's in Mm -hmm. series one and it's brutal you know you go to you go like grievous's um lair or hence lair of grievous and you've got a couple of jedi who kind of stumble upon it and he finds them and it's just him slaughtering them and it's like this is a kid show this is meant for like seven year olds (laughs) lovely i uh but yeah i think that's probably why i put it off until probably 
Um, I, I bet I really got into Clone Wars a little bit before, maybe a couple of years before the uh, sequel trilogy. Mm. Just just anticipating and knowing that that was coming on the, on the horizon, um, I think I like went and dove in because one of my big things with Star Wars is that I always felt like there wasn't enough there compared to something like Star Trek that had like episode after episode after episode of and so many different storylines and different crews and to follow and, and like it just seemed so much deeper and I didn't get into that either until like 2014 something like that um I had never really sat through any any Star Trek but like I think it was I was waiting between uh Star Wars films and I was like you know what let me let me just give the Star Trek thing a try. I felt like a traitor doing it, but like then I got really invested in it and ended up watching all of the series, like every iteration. And that's kind of what I did with with Star Wars. And I think the Clone Wars was like the the thing that showed me that like there's so much more than these movies and a lot of it is so much better than these movies to be honest there's some really great stuff that they can do in animation and supposedly just for kids but man it's some of the some of the best storytelling there is in the entire franchise i agree completely and with me like i watched um i'm trying to think i watched i didn't watch clone wars as it came out either i said i watched the movie in the cinema when i was 13 or 14 and i was like nope I'm not into this. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Star Wars. See ya. I'll just play the games. And then, yeah, when... I think it was, for me as well, it was before the sequels got announced. I'm trying to think. Yeah, because I started watching Clone Wars on my lunch breaks at my first proper job um, after I left college and things. Or it would be later high school over here. It's not... not uh, mm-hmm. Your college is our university. I didn't go to university. I just went to college, which is uh, yeah, after high school. But So I, I started watching on my lunch breaks at work when I was... 18 or 19 so about 10 years ago mm-hmm. so it was i think the sequels may have been announced or there was rumblings right. there was stuff going on in star wars but I, so i watched all the clone wars just on a lunch break you know because um, you can watch an episode or two in an hour and so i was kind of doing that to try and get through because i heard rumblings that the clone wars got really really good so i did that and then i watched rebels i think around the time i think the force awakens came out and then around that time i was like oh star wars is back i'll get into this rebels uh thing uh so i'm fairly certain that's how it works in my mind i'm fairly certain i may have even watched rebels first i can't really remember it was so many years ago now um but i always say to people watch rebels first it's far more consistent and especially because it connects with ahsoka and then the clone wars is really good but it kind of serves its own thing and I agree with you. I think that the series just adds so much more weight to Star Wars. And I always say to people, because most of my friends don't actually like Star Wars very much. My podcasting friends do because I've pushed them into it, but like I'll push some of them into watching Rebels and stuff more. But for me, I think Star Wars is one of those things where a lot of people don't get why I love it so much. And I always explain it like this. And Megan, since watching a lot more of it, has um, conceded that I'm at least partially right, which is the more (laughs) Star Wars content you consume, the better Star Wars is as a whole. You know, you watch all the movies. Yeah, they're not all amazing. I I enjoy them all, but they're definitely flawed, you know, in a lot of ways. I think the original trilogies are fairly hard to fault seriously, but I think there's highs in the prequels and even the sequels that are up there with some of the highs in the original trilogy but like you watch clone wars you watch rebels and there's some other stuff that you can watch and then there's some of the books and the games and other things and i just find because it's one connected universe as much as i love marvel and i enjoy dc stuff there's so many different universes where i was like oh no this one doesn't connect with this one you might get a nod but they don't really whereas in star wars you've basically got legends and you have canon and it's literally like if you consume any content in canon 
it is loosely connected in some way to somewhere else in the canon even if it's just yeah. yeah this happened 100 years ago so that's one of the things there that i i absolutely love so we'll start to wrap up here but i want to ask you so the big cameo the big the big moment at the end was yeah. obviously anakin and obviously yeah. he says you know high snips to a yeah. which is obviously a callback to the clone wars what do you think when anakin popped up and what do you think that means uh, well, first of all, I had to replay it and like put the subtitles on to see that he said. I did this. I, Hello, the snips. Same. I was like, what did he just <laughs> <'Cause> say <I'm>, <laughs> then? <laughs> yeah. And because in my head, I'm thinking he should call her snips. He should call her snips. Like if he doesn't call her snips, there's an issue here. I'm going to have an issue with this series. Um, but why is he there? I, you know, I, I feel like the way you explained it is like, it, it's all these like key events and key things that like somehow pull energy from the, I don't, I don't know exactly. I mean, we don't know to be like honest. You, I, I don't exactly. know. Like in all honesty, even in rebels, it's quite that they, they just kind yeah. of find themselves here, these two characters and they're like, what is this place? I don't really know. And they see a couple yeah. of things in there and then they leave. So we are kind of meant to figure out ourselves. So yeah, just to clarify, I don't know that much more than you. I just know an event that occurred in there, less so what it all kind of is, in a sense. Yeah, I, I would I would imagine that in this world between worlds, it's, it's literally that, and they can, like, it can be a world between the afterlife and, you know, life. And imagine that either, I don't know if that is his current day, like, spirit, or if it's some sort of... Um, like a apparition almost or yeah like like, or something mm-hmm. like i mean i a lot of people describe even like paranormal activity and like ghosts and stuff is that happening right like something mm. playing out a scene on repeat it might not be what the spirit is doing right now somewhere but it's like this leftover energy from mm. this person in a certain space and time and I kind of got that from just seeing him because I don't know. It's hard to place him. It's hard to place. Like, obviously they, they did some age regression on Hayden Christensen and he looks like as young as he did in, um, revenge of the Sith, I would say. Um, so, but then also who's to say what age people are when they move on from one plane of existence to another. Mm. Um, I don't know. So I, is it a specific era of him or is it like, I, I feel like it's a version of him that is wise to everything that's happened or else he wouldn't have a reason to be here and impart some sort of wisdom on, on Ahsoka here, um, help her along her journey. I think he's going to have knowledge of everything that he's been through and, and probably that she's been through as well. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know exactly what it means that he's there um, other than, you know, this is what she needs. You know, maybe it is like you said, it's, it's all individual. Like this is her uh, world between worlds where like it's, it's specifically things that affect her life can be there. Uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm pumped to see him, man. I, I, I know some people that weren't that intrigued by this series, but we'll definitely get on board knowing that uh Hayden Christensen popped up and we'll have probably like a key role in the next episode. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. One thing I've always wanted to see is um, I wanted a conversation with Ahsoka and Luke where Luke tells her that he brought Anakin back because, you know, she fights Vader in Rebels and uh, she realizes yes. can't, 
bring him back. So she failed in that regard. Um, or maybe she never could succeed. It was only Luke or maybe even Leia in an alternate universe who could have brought him back. It's only really his children that could have saved him because that's his kind of final connection to Padme. So yeah. I'm I'm interested by that concept, but I feel like we may not ever get that interaction or we might get it in like a book or a comic or something. But I would I would love to see a flashback on screen of when Ahsoka found out that Vader was brought back from the light because when mm-hmm. she speaks with Luke in Book of Boba Fett, which I don't know if that's set before or after this, the timeline of where this connects. Obviously, the Ahsoka series is definitely after Mandalorian Series 2 because of Morgan Elsbeth. Obviously, Ahsoka captures her and then that's how kind of the series, series sort of starts. But there's like rumblings that like I think Favreau may have said in passing like the Book of Boba Fett and Mando series three there's no guarantee of how soon after that was you know there's I think Favreau at one point said it may have been a couple of years between series two of Mando and series three slash Book of Boba Fett so it's the timeline they haven't confirmed i think it's probably a reason for that i think they're going to finish all the story and then once they've kind of finished everything they'll go okay this was here then this was here then this was here so uh but in any case when ahsoka interacts with luke she knows about vader she knows about you know anakin and she doesn't seem surprised at all so i'm interested about like that element of things i feel like he is he is interesting and it's going to be cool to see those two interact um as well i'm, I'm really really excited for that but in, i feel like in live action yeah Exactly. Um, but I feel yeah. like it's going to be more so he, she's, he's almost just someone to bounce her ideas off. Like she's going to be like, where am I? What's happening here? What's going on with Thrawn? How do I solve this? And he's kind of just loosely going to give her some cryptic answers maybe. And it's more so for her to kind of bounce ideas off in a way. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, like just her conscience really that she's mm-hmm. interacting with and not specifically him. Like, but that's how it's appearing to her. It's like the, uh, it's kind of like the uh, supreme intelligence in uh, the Captain Marvel film. Oh, is like yes. appear appears to them as it needs to for them mm-hmm. to trust it. And, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it is it is interesting. And with I will say that um, in in the Shadow of the Sith book, which is over here uh, by Adam Christopher, which is in my view one of the best books in the canon. It's very very close to lo- some legend stuff. Like there's loads of dark side stuff in that. It's mental, and it's uh, post Episode Six with um, Luke and Lando. I think it's about halfway between um, Return of the Jedi and, and Force Awakens ish. There's a young Kylo Ren in there, or Ben Solo, but he's about I think he's a teenager. He's about fifteen ish, and I think by the sequels he's thirty. So I think it is really close in the middle. But in that um, Luke has a interaction with uh, Vader slash um, Anakin as a Force ghost, and what it heavily, heavily alludes to, which solves this whole problem that people have with the special edition of the End of Return of the Jedi, is that a Force ghost can show themselves to a certain individual however they want. And there's a part in that book which I won't spoil specifically why, but like something happens while Luke is speaking with this Force ghost, and you see that it turns from Anakin, young Anakin, to older Anakin that we saw in the pre-specialized editions of Return of the Jedi. Then you see yeah. it as like Vader as a Force ghost. Then it goes back to Anakin, so it kind of flickers when there's like a, mm. a some sort of disturbance. So I think that's very heavily insinuating that when you show someone, show yourself as someone as a Force ghost, that who they are. And there's a lot of indications in Return of the Jedi that only Luke and maybe Leia could even see. Yoda, Obi-Wan, and um, Anakin there. Like, they weren't just everyone's partying on Endor. And then Wedge turns around and is like, oh my god, there's a ghost. It's like, the theory yeah. is that Force ghosts can choose who they show themselves to. So I do wonder mm. if just the ethereal spirit of Anakin 
shows himself to Ahsoka in the way she would be most comfortable with, which would be yeah. his Clone Wars era time. So I'm very intrigued, interested to see where it goes, and I'm very interested to see what they do with the world between worlds as such a high concept for fans that have never seen it before, never heard of it before, and have no concept of any of it. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. So I want to ask, and we'll have to wrap up in a second, but there's one little um, Easter egg I saw. Um, I didn't see it in the show. Again, saw it on social media, so hats off to the Star Wars people on Twitter or X or whatever. Um, but there's a photo of Kanan, or it seems to be Kanan, in the cockpit of the Ghost, which I quite like, which is just a nice yeah. little nod to Rebels. Um, but is there anything else that we have not tackled that you want to mention about this episode or the series as a whole before we wrap up? Um just i'm just pumped man i i think i think the casting was really good for this series i think they've done really good at casting live action period like i i don't think i would have pegged rosario dawson originally to play ahsoka but like as soon as they cast her i'm like that's genius Mm -hmm. that's genius casting like she's in everything but like this seems like a role that she should be playing and i'm pumped to see it like it's it's like what would a more mature version of ahsoka be like what would a years later ahsoka um appear as and she still looks like young vibrant ahsoka she's just like later on in life and with more experience and you know a life behind her that she's led i think rosario dawson is is amazing as ahsoka um i i enjoy sabine's character and i feel like i wanted to ask you about that what do you think Mm -hmm. about um the casting of uh the the actress that plays sabine as the character like do you think that this version is true to form kind of like we were discussing uh with hera yeah i think i i think so yeah Hera was a bit harder for me um to kind of get on board with but i think i am warming to her but i think that yeah the the actress i think it's natasha liu bordezzo i think is the name of the actress i'm just double checking to make sure i don't uh, misquote Uh, natasha uh, liu bordizzo yeah um or bordizzo because it seems like an italian surname but um yeah i think she does a really good job of sabine i I think that from episode one or part one slash two I was pretty much immediately on board. I was like, yeah, this feels like Sabine. This looks like Sabine. Like, they've really nailed it. And I'm completely in agreement with you. I think Rosario Dawson is incredible at Ahsoka. I mean, Rosario Dawson is one of my favorite actors in the world. Um, I absolutely adore her. Uh, granted, I think recently she's been in a lot of stuff. Um, maybe too much. <laughs> lot, yeah. Maybe a bit too much yeah. stuff, you know. Um, but, you know, you got to hustle, so I respect that. But, yeah, I think that when she gets a role that she's really invested in, and I think Ahsoka, yeah. she truly is invested in, and it really when you hear her talk about her passion, yeah. and even when, like, Ahsoka was in Rebels, when the Series 2 finale of Rebels, where she fights Vader, and then for two odd years, we had no idea what happened to her. Mm. I don't know if it was Disney were just this far ahead, but Rosario Dawson put out a tweet saying, hashtag Ahsoka lives. And it's yeah. like, that was seven years ago, I think. And I'm like, right. she may have been cast by that point. I don't know. But 
even if she was or wasn't like she didn't have to put that tweet out like so i feel like she genuinely watched star wars and she genuinely was invested in that character so yeah. i feel like and rosario dawson seems like a really genuine person and when i was at star wars celebration this year when she was there you see interviews with her and she's so happy like she's so excited because star wars means so much to so many different people for so many different reasons you know bryce dallas howard you know phenomenal actress great director some of the best episodes of mando were directed by her um and also her dad obviously ron howard um made star wars a a solo a star wars story and when you hear a lot of these um actors who are involved in star wars who are slightly younger or you know more sort of our sort of age less so than like you know 60 odd or whatever they're normally like Oh, my dad loved Star Wars. He grew up with the you know originals, and I watched them as a kid. And then I you know watched the prequels, and often people have different relationships with the prequels. But generally, even like Lizzo in Mando series three, which I personally didn't really have an issue with, she said her dad always loved Star Wars. Star Wars is big in her family. She's always had that connection yeah. there. So I think almost everyone who is in Star Wars, most of them, there's a couple of exceptions, do have a connection to that. And I think that a lot of these actors have that connection as well and i think that it comes out on screen because of the passion they play and i think that none i don't think any of the actors in ahsoka have phoned in in a sense you know there's a few in some of the films more so the prequels and to a degree the sequels there's a couple of characters or actors and you're like do you are you really that invested in this world or are you just kind of there because it's another job you know for a lot of people especially think the prequels um and maybe the sequels to a degree it was kind of like oh yeah star wars is cool I'll be in that. Whereas there's a lot of other people who are like, I need to be in Star Wars. Like Gwendolyn Christie, yeah. um, who plays Phasma and obviously Brienne of Tarth in uh, Game of Thrones. When mm-hmm. I was at Star Wars Celebration, we saw villains of the sequel trilogy panel with Andy Serkis, um, Gwendolyn Christie, and uh, Ian McDermott. And so they're on stage talking. There might be someone else who I've forgotten, but they're on stage talking about stuff. And Gwendolyn Christie said when the sequels were announced, she was gunning for it. She was telling her agent she wanted to be in Star Wars, and her agent was like, everyone wants to be in Star Wars. And she was going to like parties where people who were involved in the production of Star Wars were there just so she could tell people, I want to be in Star Wars. Can you please tell anyone involved? Tell J.J. Abrams, I'm begging you. And she pushed and pushed and pushed and eventually became Phasma, who, you know, underused in the sequels, but, you know, Gwendolyn Christie is incredible. So when you get that and when I hear that from people... It makes me excited for them because when they're excited, they're not just going to yeah. put 100% in. They're going to put 110% in. And I feel like the cast of Ahsoka do feel that way, especially yeah. Sabine and Rosario Dawson. So, yeah, I'm I'm all on board with that 100%. Yeah. Same. Same. Wonderful. Well, Brett, please tell people where they can find you. I'll put details in the description of obviously Daily BS, Long Lost Brothers, Marvel Plus, all that lovely stuff. But tell people yep. where they can find you and if there's any final things you want to say before we end this call. Uh, well, as you said, you can find those those three podcasts, which I put out pretty regularly. Um, Daily BS is a entertainment pop culture podcast where I just kind of speak my mind anywhere from like five minutes to 30 minutes, depending on the subject matter and how much I feel like talking. Long Lost Brothers is just a hangout podcast with my buddy Jesse. Uh, we just meet up once a week and, and, and chat about all the stuff that we enjoy and do. And um, Marvel Plus obviously is a uh, MCU rewatch podcast. So, uh, you know, we do the mainly the Disney Plus uh, Marvel series. Um, but also I have a Patreon where we do like movie reviews, uh, starting back with Iron Man and, and going forward. Um, and then 
you can also check out daily BS is on uh, YouTube as well. So there's like a video component to it. Kind of like your, um, you know, um, genuine chit chat channel. It's like a, you know, you've got a, a video version for everyone. So that's what I do with daily BS. Um, and if you want to find me online and just follow me in my daily day-to-day antics, you can follow me at real Brett Scott, pretty much anywhere. Uh, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all that. It's all the same real Brett Scott. Fantastic. And you can see when you see how much content Brett is putting out, you'll forgive him for not finishing the Bane trilogy and Rebels and that stuff. <laughs> because, you know, I've got a lot of podcasty stuff going on, but I've got two main podcasts and then these uh, weekly shows I occasionally mm. do. And even then people are like, how do you have time? And it's like, usually losing sleep. It's usually the way I get away yeah. with doing all this stuff is, do I need eight hours sleep? No, I can I can deal with six and a half tonight so I can keep reading this book or finish off this series or edit this podcast and stuff so I've got yep. time on the weekend. Um, so you're a very busy guy and all the content you put out is absolutely amazing. So, you know... Let me just, real quick, I just want to say this because I, I wanted to say it earlier, um, uh, but now you're making me uh, feel self-conscious. So I got to say this. Um, you, sir put out a lot of content. You put out a <laughs> lot of content. So it, it's not only, I'm really impressed by your Patreon oh, more than you. anything because, you know, I, I'm impressed that you put so much into it because, you know, people pay for that. People are paying for your content and it's like, I have one as well and you make me feel like crap <laughs> compared to like, I put out such little Patreon content that I feel like, you know, like, uh, man, I'm taking advantage of these people. Whereas you probably don't ever get that feeling because you are putting out so much bonus content all the time. Like you put out as much or more bonus content than you do your main podcast and stuff. And I really enjoy all the, uh, the afterthoughts episodes with you and Megan. Those are my favorite to listen to, whether you're talking about some old movie from the eighties or something you just saw at the cinema. That's great stuff, but I really appreciate your grind and hustle, especially when it comes to uh, putting out those Patreon episodes because like that's something I keep telling myself I want to get better at. Cause it's like, yeah, these people are like paying for extra content. Um, and you know, I, I want to give them more than I am always. Uh, but I, I feel like you probably wouldn't run into that problem because you put out so much extra stuff and I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I, it was one of those things where um, when I, put together a patreon a patreon sort of thing i thought oh i have an idea you know mainly a start because megan if we watch a film together and i say what do you think of the film she'll go hated it it was all right or i loved it and that's it that's yeah. all i get and i was like there's it's funny with megan you know i love her to pieces for people who may not be aware she's my fiance and it's like she'll say she doesn't have much of an opinion on something and it happens on our disney discussions as well that we do with spider dan and Rhea. she's like oh i don't really have an opinion and they go go on just tell us a little bit more and then she'll talk for like 10 15 minutes about one thing and yeah. it's her iconic is a spider-man 3 rant which we put on the feed of comics emotion so everyone can listen to that and it was just mm. she was like oh, i don't really want to talk about spider-man 3 and then she went off on one for like 20 minutes about how she hated it and it's yeah. like the main way, reason i kind of started it i was like i want to talk with megan about movies and if i put a recorder in front of her she's more kind of not quite putting on a show but she knows she can't just give one word answers a bit and so yeah. that, that's kind of where it sparked from and then for me it's joyous to be able to do uh because i get to talk with her about movies quite a bit but i hugely appreciate what you said there because i do try and make sure there's at least one episode a week with patreon and occasionally when i release you know 
if either a guest cancels or I'm just really busy on the weekend and I can't release, you know, a new episode of Genuine Chit Chat. So I just release something from Patreon from years ago, just so people who don't support me on, you know, financially still get some degree of content or occasionally when I start these weekly discussion shows, the first episode I drop, I just put that on Styles, Comics and Canon and on Genuine Chit Chat. And I'm like, took a lot of organizing to do this. I can't then spend the entire weekend editing as well. So when I do that, I generally say to patrons, well, because you're supporting me, here's an extra episode. So I do try and release every week. There's an episode of Patreon as a bonus thing, which is usually somewhere between 10 and 30 minutes. If there's some content that I release on these main feeds that people um, already heard on Patreon, I try and release another episode for them. Uh, so yeah. I really appreciate you saying that. And um, I think it may have just released, but we did a, an Evil Dead 2 episode as well, which is like 20 something minutes long, which is, is really fun because Megan and I do not agree on on many many films you know we'll watch a film and she's like i hated it and i'll be like it's my favorite and she's like i don't yes. understand you sometimes <laughs> and they're often yeah. the best ones is when we're, we're conflicting there so obviously your support um both you know on social media coming on these shows and saying these kind words is hugely appreciated but your financial support means the absolute world to me uh, so i hugely yeah. appreciate all of that uh, brett and you know it's always uh, great chatting with you so with people who are listening so you can follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Uh, if you're not already watching the uh, video version of this, you can watch the video version on YouTube, youtube.com slash Genuine Chit Chat. Subscribe there, like, you know, favorite, share, all that sort of usual jazz. And then, as Brett said, you can support me on Patreon. So, patreon.com slash Genuine Chit Chat. You can give as little as £1 a month, which I think is like a dollar fifty, and you will get instant access to over 180 episodes of Afterthoughts. That's Star Wars Legends book reviews on there, which I think there's 12 of, I think. Then there's a few canon reviews on there that I haven't released elsewhere. But the majority of them are myself and Megan reviewing stuff. Sometimes we went on a trip, and it's just 40 minutes of us chatting about a trip we went on. Sometimes it's live performances. So, we've seen Book of Mormon or Avenue Q or The Great british bake-off musical um, and other times as you say it's like we go to the cinema and watch a film like oppenheimer and barbie and stuff and other times you watch like classic films so huge amount of content over there and if you don't want to contribute financially you know every month you can give just a one-off donation to coffee ko-fi.com slash genuine chit chat you give one pound over there i'll send you a couple episodes of afterthoughts you give a few more than that i'll send you even more and if you have something specific you want you just want to hear all the star wars ones or you want to hear just me and megan talking about trips or whatever or you just want to say i want as much audio as possible for one pound <laughs> i'll send you the two longest <laughs> episodes that's perfectly fine uh, but if you don't want to contribute financially share the show on social media tell your friends about it and you can get a free episode of afterthoughts if you leave a review on apple podcasts audible or even just a rating on spotify screenshot that send it to me on social media I'll send you a free episode as well. Um, but, you know, thank you for, for listening, friends, as always. I'll be back next week with uh, Thomas, who's going to be... The whole episode is him going to be saying, I told you so, which is correct, because he was right about the world between worlds. And uh, make sure you check out all of um, Brett's incredible content. It's so much fun whenever I listen to your shows as well, especially, you know, with Marvel Plus as well, um, with all of those content you know, that you release. I especially loved my... I think my favourite of the Secret Invasion one was you talking to BZ, because BZ... A has the coolest voice in the entire world. Obviously, I had him on Genuine Chit Chat. He's been on Era of Geek. Obviously, now he's been on Marvel Plus. He's such a lovely guy. And you guys mm -hmm. had such a cool conversation there. So just hats off to you, sir, with all the content you create. It's always delightful speaking with you. And just thank you for making the time. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. No worries at all. Well, friends, thanks again. Please subscribe and share. And I'll talk to you next week. May the force be with you. <laughs>